December 10th, 2016. This is Hyphenation, the world's greatest podcast, and I am your host, Kellen Conley. What up, Doug? It's good to be back. Episode 26 of that raw fire. Yeah, man. Back in the basement after the away game at uh, Ogilvy with Nikki. That episode's getting great feedback. Um, I've been listening to the episode, and it, it, I think the interview came out really good. The only episodes of Hyphen Nation that I have taken the time to go back and listen to are the ones with guests. So I've listened to both of the ones with my man Eric Greenlee and the one with Eric Jordan and the one with Nikki. Just to kind of, you know... Um, I can sit here and ramble all day. And I know, I mean, I was there. I know what happened during the course of however long I'm talking on an episode. And I can kind of make mental notes about, I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm not going, um, all the time. Or what is my favorite one that I do now? Gaps like that. I'm trying to cut out gaps like that in the show. Uh, just trying to be a little bit more, don't want to say prolific, um, there's a number just trying to be more official because if you listen to Nikki in the last episode like she was spot on she really liked the word folks I'd never noticed how many times she says the word folks I think she might have said about seven times so if you want to play a drinking game with hyphenation 25 every time Nikki says folks take a healthy swig and you'll have a little buzz going because she didn't say it too much but Folks is a, is a very interesting word that's not in my vocabulary. But yeah, I got I got some feedback on that. Had a great time at Wheeling. Brought all the equipment home. Got the episode up. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's a new week. I'm going to record another episode on Thursday. Have it out Friday. Didn't quite happen. That's okay. And then I was like, oh, well... I can do an episode on Tuesday of this past week and then do another Thursday and have two this week. Didn't quite happen. As life always does, it tends to get in the way. On Tuesday, I was ready to go, but had a little emergency. Everything's fine. Everything's cool now. Um, But I ended up not going to work on Wednesday because of it and staying at home with Angel. And because of that... um. Because of that emergency that popped up. Um, that's the reason why 26 didn't get recorded earlier. But yeah. Welcome to Hyphen Nation. World's greatest podcast. Also, shout out to everybody that tuned in to my return to U92 Airwaves. Just bumped my elbow. My return to the U92 Airwaves with Mike the Buzzsaw Osti. I may have mentioned Osti on the show a few times. If you have listened to any of my previous podcast work, 
I have a show called Trek Adventures that I do with Anthony and Thomas sporadically. And real early on when we started that show, um, Osti was on there twice. And he told his epic airport story that you have to listen to. I'm going to just try to come off the cuff and guess which episode he was on. I believe it was hyphen, or sorry, Trek Adventures number three. Fraser was owed something. Uh, so you can go look that up. You can find it on com and hear about Osti. If you tuned into the, the live Facebook feed that um, Facebook Live graciously provided to the show, you may have noticed that I was laying back some. Mind you, normally when me and Osti get together for a podcast, we're talking about wrestling. And we haven't even really done that too often lately. We probably should do it more often. Osti has his own podcast. It just hit my hand again. Damn. Called the Howitzer and Buzzsaw Show that he does with another friend of, good good friend of both of ours. Obviously, if he's doing a show with them, George, the Howitzer Gerbo. And it's a sports show that they've been doing for several years now. And they have recently moved up to the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. I don't even know if that's the proper name. But they have their own little studio and they get together um, bi-weekly to record their sports show. It's really good stuff. I used to post it on Tricycle Offense um, when they posted new episodes when Tricycle Offense was a thing four years ago. And Anthony's going to hear that and be like, oh, when did Trike stop being a thing? <laughs> like, dude, we don't really have anything to post over there. And you yelled at me about posting to me podcast. I love you, Anthony. It's his birthday in six days. Shout out to Anthony, man. This is G-Day <laughs> soon on the 16th. Uh, but I, I just laid back, man, because it was an early morning shift. Osti had his ideas he wanted to talk about. And I was more playing the, not even, I don't want to say co-host, but I was definitely co-host more support player to Osti. I'm going to have that audio really soon from that show. We did three hours last Sunday morning from nine to noon. Uh, Osti has the audio as soon as he gets it posted up. I'm actually going to put it into the normal. Man, I got to start recording early. I just yawned. <laughs> um, I'm going to put it into the normal hyphenation feed. So you will have the episode and that's everything. The songs included. It's really long and I, there's not a whole lot of hyphen on there, but I'm still really proud of it because U92 is the college radio station here at West Virginia University in Morgantown. And I was there from 2005 until 2011. Um, off and on, Osti was there um, somewhere in the middle of that when he actually graduated, which I did not. And it's it's really good that they do the alumni marathon now. It's our second year being there. Um, we were on there last year. We did a later shift on Saturday, and this year we did the early shift on Sunday. But we had a lot of fun, man. And then we got to see um get got to see some familiar faces, familiar faces and hang out, get to be in the booth. I, it was a really good time. So I'm gonna make sure I post that into the feed for y'all. Before I go any further though, this episode is sponsored by the Mark Rob. That's the M-A-R-C-R-O-B dot WordPress dot com. Brought to you by Marcus Robinson. Marcus is Actually, my fantasy football opponent this week. I wish him all the best because this is um, the only league that I'm... No, I'm actually in two leagues where I can still win money. 
I kind of blew it in elite talent. Not surprised because ever since I won the title two years ago, I haven't failed to make the playoffs two years in a row now. Well, I can't remember if I was in the playoffs last year. I might have been. But the Mark Rob, Marcus Robinson bringing fire to your eyelids because he's he's uh he's expanded from his tumbler where he used to every now and then fire off some dope words. Now he's making it a point to write more and it's paying off. So official sponsor of Hyphen Nation is the Mark M A R C Rob dot WordPress dot com. And also might as well just say Handsome Bane, if you don't know who my man Handsome Bane is, he's on YouTube.com slash Handsome Bane, and he's also on your IGs, your grams, and he might have a Facebook page now. I'm pretty sure he has a Facebook page too. So, shout out to Handsome Bane and the MarkRob.WordPress.com. But it's just different with Osti. Because I, I let him kind of take his lead. He he's a very um he has a nickname of Buzzsaw for a reason. And I was just it was his thing. So I just laid back and got my comments in there and there. I saw some people come in like when's when's Kellen gonna get to talk? I had my shots, but it was it was really Osti show and I'm glad to be a part of it. Oh, I was gonna say something and I already lost it. Off of that, this is awesome. So, when I first sat down trying to think of topics for episode 26, I was saying, hmm, maybe it's time for me to talk about the Back to the Future trilogy and why it's my favorite movies and why I think it gets too much shit for how dope it is. So that was a topic. And... This episode is sponsored by Great Lakes Brewing Company as well. Shout out to Nikki for leaving these at the house. I keep sponsoring stuff and interrupting myself. Welcome to Hyphenation. Another topic I was going to talk about was Hulk Hogan's imminent return to the WWE. Well, not ring, so to speak, but to the WWE's good graces. And then... Things started happening. <laughs> so. I got, I got some things to talk about. And I'm going to take those little things. The Back to the Future topic and the Hulk Hogan topic. Put them in a little section on my Google Docs called. Break in case of emergency topics. When I'm really drawing a blank for a topic. So I'm trying to keep this thing going. And I won't be like. Well don't have anything to talk about. Because I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> so i'm not i'm not going to talk about that today we're going to talk about some comic stuff we're going to talk about some music stuff we're going to talk about a clash i had with a local radio personality (laughs) inadvertently we're going to talk about comic book movies and some dope pizza that i had just last friday in fact it was probably about this time last friday i had this amazing pizza So, first topic comes up when I'm on I'm on Reddit as I always am. Um, checking out my front page, 
and something comes up in either the Batman subreddit or the comic book subreddit. And it's a picture of like Stephanie and Batman. And I know that Stephanie was resurrected after war games. That was shortly around the time that I kind of got out of the Batman books because I was a big fan of Stephanie being Robin, considering that way back when in the early aughts, when I wrote a Robin, um, a Robin ongoing series for my fan fiction website, DC Anthology, which you can still find at dcanthology.b-hyphen.com, another plug. I had actually made Stephanie Robin for um, some issues. In fact, if you go to b-hyphen.com and search Robin Stephanie Brown, you will find the issues that I wrote, including one by David Gibson, where Stephanie was Robin. And I was really proud of that stuff. Apparently so proud that I was willing to repost it years later, even though most of my fan fiction is trash. (laughs) And I was a fan of DC making Stephanie Robin. And I was sad to see it be over so quickly for her. And then kind of how I kind of got an affinity for Stephanie from writing that fan fiction series all those years ago. So when she was Batgirl, I thought it was really cool. And then they took that away from her and then she spoiled her again. And I can't even keep up. Anyway, this scene, I can't tell you what it was from. It might be detective, but Stephanie is upset uh, because she found this letter and Bruce is there. And yes, I called him Bruce for a reason. And he's like, oh, well, Stephanie, it was for, like, Tim wanted it this way, and yada, yada. So I immediately called mom, like, Tim, why, why, why is he talking about Tim? Because last time I checked, during New 52, I know they, 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 they did Rebirth, uh, uh, Tim got his whole origin retconned away from being the guy who figured out Batman's secret and Dick Grayson's secret and pretty much became Robin based off of the fact that he um, uses uh, detective skills to figure all this out. And they like ripped that away from him. But all of a sudden I'm like, oh, why are they talking about Tim? Is Tim important now? Because I'm not a fan of Damien. Not a fan of Damien as Robin. I did read the Batman and Son stuff. I've read some of the um, Batman Inc., Batman and Robin. Um, I can't remember what it was actually called, the Batman and Robin title. Um when Morrison was writing it, when New 52 started. But never was a fan of Damien. I know that his character has come a long way from his early origins of being a snot-nosed killer that was half Talia, half Batman, with Ra's al Ghul as a, a grandfather. So seeing Tim surprised me. And like, uh, Stephanie hands Bruce's letter and Bruce reads it and says something about Tim being accepted to college. And Bruce gets a look on his face. And Stephanie's crying and then they embrace. And so I feel, I mean, obviously context clues. Tim Drake is dead. Which is a pretty freaking big deal for me. Now, I may have went into a Cyclops conversation not long ago about how much I like Cyclops um, since New X-Men and even going back to reading his earlier appearances, I did enjoy um, his straight-laced Scott um, 
that he was known for known for being an X-Men cartoon. I like that in the actual X-Men books. But Tim is different. Let me tell you about Tim Drake I know. I had read a little Tim Drake leading up to me writing this fan fiction series for DC Anthology. And I always really liked him. Like, I was never, I mean, for years, Dick Grayson was Robin. I didn't even know about Jason Todd until I was a little older. I'd say middle school. I found out what happened to him in uh, 88, or was it 89? I don't know. Where us, the fans, not me included because I didn't know, voted to have Jason killed violently by the Joker. And then editorial mandate was like, well, let's bring another Robin. And this for this reason, because uh, Batman's getting too violent. And essentially the idea behind Tim is Tim figures out. I might be shaking my microphone. Tim figures out that Dick Grayson is Robin. Which in turn leads to Tim figuring out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And the reason for all him doing all this is just a synopsis. He wants Dick to become Robin again because Batman has become more violent and he needs a Robin to keep himself in check. Of course, Dick declines. And eventually, after some adventures where um, Tim's dad got kidnapped and I don't remember if his mom um, made it back from this initial um, introduction, uh, Tim's mom, or if she died a little later. And then we got Dana, who was his stepmother. Um, essentially, he eventually becomes the third Robin. And he's wildly popular. Like in the 90s, everybody got their own series. And Robin got his own series span- spinning out of Nightfall. Um, when John Paul Valley kicked him out of the, um, pretty much kicked him out of the Batman club when he was Batman and said, I don't need a Robin. And so Robin's like, I'm going solo. And they gave him his own regular series after he had had three successful miniseries. The thing I always liked about Tim is Tim reminded me a lot of Spider-Man. Not so much in the wisecrack Peter Parker kind of way, but it Tim had your everyday high school problems that Peter had when he was in high school that a lot of the early stories dealt with. And like Tim's trying to figure out how he's going to sneak out to go work with Batman or get this um, big project done after he's been um, tracking down this one villain for days on end, how he explains a black eye to his stepmother, like that, that kind of situation. So I always like that about Tim. Tim is also a hell of a detective. And honestly, if the day ever comes that there needs to be a new Batman and Dick Grayson's not willing to do it, which we have seen that Dick has been willing to do in a time or two now, I have always thought that Tim would be the perfect Batman because I don't think anybody else has the detective, the deductive mind of, um, of Bruce Wayne. No one matches Bruce on a level that Tim does. So I've always been a big Tim guy. And then I, I started writing a series and I uh, did this storyline. It's going to sound really, uh, I told you it was trash. 
I did the storyline where there's this mysterious student who showed up and broke the King Snake's um, ankles, and King Snake couldn't walk, and it was after King Snake had trained him for months on end, and all of a sudden this student was after Robin, and there were ninjas, and there was a ninja named Lotus, and she kind of had a thing for Robin, but she really wasn't around too long, and the student's going after Robin, the student's going after Robin, and eventually comes out the student is Riddler. The Riddler decided he was tired of getting beat up all the time, so he's going to learn some martial arts. He's going to really, he was really going to learn everything there was to be a real supervillain. So, Joker's the Joker. Riddler's turned himself into a total badass. And I need to make sure I'm recording this because I'm looking at my topic screen. I'd be really upset. Okay, yeah. Riddler's turned himself into a total badass. And he challenges Nightwing and Robin, and he ends up beating them and getting away. Um, before um, they can stop him. And then Tim is stripped of his Robin title because he didn't listen to what Batman said, which is essentially wait for us to get there before you try to tackle this new and improved Riddler. But it all worked out in the end. Stephanie was um, Robin for a few issues. Then she got captured. Tim had to put the old Nightwing suit back on. I'm talking about the 70s joint with the, the high collar to go rescue her. Um, and he does successfully. And then... Um, Stephanie decides that she is through with being Robin and leaves and Tim gets the mantle back. And then I was kind of doing this storyline with this, um, Thomas Jacobs character who has these powers, but I never really figured out what his powers were and how that all worked out. Um, but he had this kind of great game idea going. If you're not familiar with the great game, um, it's when, uh, it was a storyline in the Spider-Man books when Ben Riley, who we'll get to in a second, was Spider-Man. And essentially, um, rich people were betting on uh, the supervillains to take on the superheroes and stuff. And it was called A Great Game. So I kind of took that idea and was um, incorporating that into Robin. And then I never really came back to it. Tried to reboot the series twice, and that was it. So to see... That Tim is suddenly dead. It made my heart drop. Because I will say that. The Robin run. um, Even even the mini series were good. But the um, regular series. All the way through its end. And the Red Robin series. That followed directly. Until New 52 happened. Or Dick New. As uh, Thomas DJ affectionately calls it. I would say that that is probably one of my favorite runs of comics ever. And you were like, man, why, why you like Tim Drake so much? Like my friend Jonathan always makes fun of me for liking, was like, oh, why you like Tim Drake? Why are you into Robin? Like, why are you into sidekicks? I mean, he was just a, a good character and he was able to be one of the few that could spin off and really have their, his own adventures outside of just being Batman's sidekick. And Nightwing did as well, but of course it took Teen Titans and eventually him becoming Nightwing. And then he also had a successful series himself, but I just always was drawn more to Tim Drake. So quick synopsis is apparently there's some kind of drones that were attacking and Tim is still Red Robin, except he's went back to his original costume. He just has a double R now. Not sure why they did that because first Red Hood or Red Robin costume was dope. And then they messed it up and made it like a hybrid um, Robin 
uh, Red Robin outfit, which is awful. And now he's back in the original uh, Robin outfit that he rocked with the actual, the first one that had pants. And it has a double R on the chest, Rough Riders. There was some kind of drone attack, and Tim fought up through the first wave, and the second wave was about to kill him, but Tim didn't die. Apparently, he's in some kind of alternate dimension being held captive by someone. Everybody thinks he's dead. I'm so glad I don't read comics consistently anymore. Like, this, like, you hear these things, it just makes no sense. And speaking of making no sense, the other day, I'm on the Twitter, as a Chris Jericho affectionately calls it, <laughs> the Twitter, and I see a tweet from my friend Donovan Morgan Grant. And if you don't know Donovan, Donovan's into some things. I'm, I'm going to try to pull up some of his stuff so I can kind of pimp him out a little bit. Yeah, he, he's, he's got, let me just read you his bio, his, his uh, Twitter bio. Statements will be made, will be made, acknowledge me. My mind's heaven gates, so enter me. My mind's the gate to hell, so try to flee. Both gates look the same, which will it be? Donovan's a thinker. He's also a huge comic book fantasy all, all that jazz. Huge um fan of all that. He has several podcasts that he's um that he's on and he he just has his he always has his hands in something. I wish there was something specific that I could say, Donovan does this. I'm I'm trying to look right now to see if he has anything recent that's come out on his timeline. But seriously, just Google Donovan Morgan Grant and you'll find some great material. Anyway, so Donovan tweets out this thing, and this is what he said, if I can hit the right tweet. Donovan said, ah, and Twitter's taking a sweet time. He said, what the fuck? Don't Spider-Man comics like me anymore? Why must it continuously betray me? So I hit him with the Twitter quote, story of my life. What happened now? Reply, two words, Ben Riley. And I said, did they bring him back or further ruin his character? Both, was Donovan's reply. Damn it, is what I said. Now, Des Reddick of Dread Media and Earth-2.net says, you talking clone conspiracy? I read issue one and was like, ha ha, no. Then Donovan's like, yeah, it's pretty boneheaded. <laughs> then Chris Johnson at agent underscore 326 says, ha. I just realized Dez paid money for a Dan Slot comic. Dez said, wouldn't have skipped completely, would have skipped completely had I known. I don't enjoy putting money in that hacks apartment, po- or hacks pockets. I came back with just caught up. That's the dumbest shit. That's the dumbest shit. Dan Slot is an idiot. 2016 just couldn't leave well enough alone, said Donovan. Dez said a, quote, fuck this writer forever, quote, Dan Slot did. And then a, a lady named Hannah time chimed in and said, oh, man, Uncle Dez, Uncle Donovan, tell me how much a slot fucked up this time. And then Dez comes back with only read one issue one. And it was garbage. No more for me. So anyway, now that I read you all that stuff that you really didn't need to know out of fun. It's what we do in the world's greatest podcast. 
this this is what 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 had happened was give you quick synopsis after the clone saga originally ended in the 90s Spider-Man books were struggling after the high sales they enjoyed for several years as this dragged on and was drug out the books were going nowhere so Marvel decided let's bring in John Byrne to revitalize these books and rewrite some of Spider-Man's origins. So there was Spider-Man Chapter 1, where John Byrne was literally rewriting Spidey's origins, kind of like he was did for Man of Steel in 1986. And the idea was he was just going to tweak some things. Meanwhile, Howard Mackey was still going to write the Spider-Man book, the Peter Parker Spider-Man book. It was a disaster. Chapter 1 wasn't well-received. Amazing Spider-Man, which is Burns' book, wasn't well-received. He killed off Mary Jane suddenly in a plane crash. Mackie couldn't remember plot lines from one issue to the next. And so from, let's see, I'd say from 99 and much of 2000 and some of 01, the Spider-Man books were awful. Just god-awful. Eventually, though, Peter Parker's Spider-Man title did get um, Paul Jenkins on there. And Paul Jenkins started kind of telling good Spider-Man stories again, and then people started to take notice. But then Mackie was moved over to Amazing Spider-Man, and he was doing all kinds of weird things over there that nobody was really into, so... The books are struggling. So Marvel reaches out to J. Michael Straczynski, known for his work on Babylon 5, to come and write the Spider the Amazing Spider-Man book. And I picked up that first issue, which was um, Amazing Spider-Man um, issue 30, volume 2, then, before they went back to original renumbering. And now I think, I don't know if he went back, if they're on original numbering again or what, or how it, where it's at now. But came back. Sorry, he didn't come back. He got on the book. And from 2001 until, whew, I'm trying to think, 2008 or so, I want to say 2008, he wrote the hell out of Amazing Spider-Man. I did not miss an issue, whether it through trade or through floppy, that whole run. He introduced Ezekiel. He introduced Morlin, who had a lot to do with the recent Spider, um, Spider-Verse crossover. Was that a year or so ago now? Two years? Where they all fought the Morlins again? Um... He uh, introduced the Spider Totem, which a lot of people weren't fans of, but I thought it was really cool. Introduced a lot of spider-based threats for Spider-Man to fight. He killed Spider-Man at one point. Of course, he came back, and then thanks to uh, his totem, totem mystic powers or whatever, it, it's long and convoluted. 
he Doctor Strange in the book a whole lot. <laughs> John Romita Jr. drew um, pretty much his whole run up until late. I'd say the last two years or so. And the gentleman's name is escaping me now who took over, but he was he was wonderful too. And eventually, um, oh, I'm drawing blanks on all these names. Someone took over for the book towards the end, like during Civil War and back on Black. Um, but seriously, first recommendation. I can't recommend the, the J. Michael Straczynski, Amazing Spider-Man, well enough. But to get, get back on point, I love those books. But then the mandate came down from Joe Quesada that um, Straczynski had put Peter back, Mary gotten Peter back with MJ and strengthened the bond, and Mary, Aunt May knew who Peter was. Casada wanted to put everything back inside the bottle. He wanted to take Spider-Man back to basics. And anytime you hear the word back to basics when it comes to comic books, look out. No, no kidding. Because it only means something bad's going to happen. So, Straczynski didn't want to do any of Casada's ideas. He was ready to leave the book. I think he was going to take over another Marvel book. And Straczynski essentially said, look, this is going to be a story. And we're going to put your name on it. And we need you to write it, whatever, fill out, fill in the blanks for us. And that's where One More Day came from. One More Day was the event where, in order to save Aunt May after she'd been shot by one of Kingpin's men... Peter made a deal with the devil to make everyone forget he was Spider-Man, except Mary Jane. Because he was selfish, essentially. And that's another long story that was told like two or three years later in one moment in time that Peter had the option to leave her out of knowing who he was and he couldn't do it. And because of this, it's essentially the reason why, I don't want to say it's the reason why, but he, he included her in the circle. She always knew she, he was Spider-Man. And then something different happened on their wedding day. So instead of them getting successfully married like they did in um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual 22, um, they didn't get married. They stayed together, but they just never got married. And then eventually they, they broke up. Due to factors, whatever. The guy who took over the Spider books after this horrid story was over, where Spider-Man made a deal with the devil, was Dan Slott. And Dan Slott did Spider-Man three times a month for, was it a uh, Wow. Like, I don't, I can't remember if he did every single week, but he was the most consistent Spider-Man writer. And eventually they stopped putting out three Spider-Man issues a week. Amazing Spider-Man issues a month. And he's just continued on with his run. He's the one who had Dr. Octopus take over Peter's Parker, take over Peter's body, and became the title became Superior Spider-Man. And now he's the one that's still writing Spider-Man. He's the one who has this great, who's on this clone conspiracy story right now, where the Jackal, who he reintroduced a while ago after Jackal was killed off Finally, after the Clone Saga ended, like in 96, 7, whenever, after Jackal finally bit it, he brings the Jackal back 
at Spire Island, and now the jackal's behind all these uh, dead people in Spider-Man's life coming back, and then somehow, I'm not even going to pretend to know what happened, because I read this a couple days ago when I was getting ready to do the show. Somehow he um, revealed that he wasn't really the jackal. He was Ben Riley, and he was resurrected too. And Ben Riley is the clone who took over for um, Peter Parker during the clone saga, and I am a huge fan of Ben Riley. As Scarlet Spider and as Spider-Ben. Loved all the stories that came out during that time until they started uh, ramping up to give Peter back the title of Spider-Man. It's horse shit. It's horse piss, in fact. Eric was uh, on one of the groups that we're in on Facebook, Eric Greenlee. And somebody was talking about, oh, well... Spider-Man really is the great, the greatest. You just got to admit it. And I was like, hey, I think me and this guys became best friends. You've heard it on episode 12 where Eric and I had a little, little back and forth about he didn't like Spider-Man. And I will, I will not get upset about politics. I will not argue with you about religion. But when it comes to Spider-Man, we going, we going, we going to have it out. We're going to have words. Cause I know my Spider-Man shit other than recent, recent history. Cause I have not been reading the books since I, I got off the books probably right after they tried to resurrect Craven. So whatever storyline that was where they thought they killed Spider-Man, but they actually killed Kane. Yeah. It makes my head hurt too. What is the point in bringing back Ben Raleigh for this? When for years, people like myself have been clamoring for Ben to return in some shape or form and as the original Scarlet Spider. Instead of that, instead of that, we got the Kane Scarlet Spider, which I've never read. I've heard good things about it, but that's not who we wanted. For years and years, we wanted there to be some kind of resurrection for Ben say that he did not die from the clone degeneration that we saw him die from in uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man 75. And that he actually was alive and decided to take back up the skull of Spider-Mantle. And these are his adventures. That's all we wanted. That's all we ever wanted. That's all I wanted. Hit you a little George Michael. And for Dan Slott, like, hmm, who can I fuck with now? And kids, hit you in my How I Met Your Mother voice. There is a lot of strong language in this episode, and I apologize. But daddy, daddy's a little upset, so bear with me. For him to fuck with Ben like this, and mock Ben like this, all the, like, all the writers who were part of that Clone Saga era, whether they liked having to write Ben or not for that long as they did, they made this character who was a clone of Spider-Man who lived from the original clone story in the 70s and made him into this fully fleshed other character that wasn't Peter. He was Peter, but he was also Ben. He had his own identity. He had his own um, supporting cast. 
he didn't have to interact with the old cast. There was so much potential there. And to do this, after you already got, all right, they're sick of the clone, kill him. X amount of years ago. They're like, oh, well, this guy's also the mastermind behind Spider-Man's latest troubles. Like, what? Like, what? Come on, bro. So officially put me down as someone who wants Dan Slott off of the spider books. And every time I think I'm going to start getting some trades or something to try to catch up. Shit like this happens. Makes me sick. Next topic. So um, I think this might be the thing I forgot earlier. I got a little feedback on Nikki being on the show. Again, special thanks to Nikki for taking time out of her family vacation with us to do the show. Like I said, we we um did it in a hotel room, which is two doors down from ours, the one I was staying in with Angel and Aaliyah and um her mom, Janice. And Christian was laying in bed, being a trooper, watching Devil Wears Prada while we were talking. And we got distracted by Devil Wears Prada at one point. Okay, I got distracted. I'm going to do a movie. I'm going to do an episode about ridiculous movies that I can't turn off. And Devil Wears Prada is one of them. I'm sorry. You know what? In fact, shout out to Zulu because today at work, um, VAQ is playing pop songs. And I get these songs stuck in my head. So i Sing whatever song. He's like, you sing a lot of girly songs. I'm like, dang, that's 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 hurtful, Zulu. How, how you go? Like, dang, I I just had you at dinner for Thanksgiving. You gonna say I, I sing a lot of girly songs? He was joking, of course. And just because it's on all the time, we all know the songs. And I just take it one step further and I sing along with it. I'm a natural performer. What can I do? I told him, I was like, hey, I might sing girly song, but my, 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 my raps are hard, bruh. My raps are hard. Music.behyphen.com. Another plug. Uh, I think we got a title right there. I'm going to type it up right now. It has to do something with plugging and sponsors. This plug is sponsored by this plug. This, this plug is sponsored By this plug. No. No. Let me just make a plug. Sponsor. I'll make some magic later. <laughs> I got some feedback. So shout out to Mike Lamb. Mike Lamarick. At Uncensored Mike on Twitter. He's on the guest list to be on the show. As I said before, I've talked to Mike on the show before, and he actually has been <laughs> blowing up my my uh, mentions, trying to get me to record sooner than later. And he's getting his wish right now. He, I actually told him earlier, I said, my apologies, I've had a crazy week, 26 to record tonight. Hit me with the Michael Jackson eating popcorn and thriller gif. So that's where we're at there. But Mike Lamb... 
came at me. I was like, I wanted to make sure he's uncensored. Mike, make sure I didn't invite somebody else to the show who wasn't who I thought it was. He's like, he is I and I am him. I said, no problem. Just make sure I didn't invite a random mic on the show. And he said, your viewership is growing. I said, slowly, but yes. And he said, organic growth. Then he said, your sister was a great guest, by the way, which is awesome because I, I thought Nikki was a great guest. She sounds like she's been in politics forever. I said, she's been like that since she was 16. And he said, I realize that we're almost a decade older than her, but she's got more political prowess. I don't feel like an actual adult. And that's exactly how Nikki makes me feel. And honestly, I feel like Nikki dumbed it down a lot. Because I thought Nikki would go in, and she didn't. Because Nikki knows her shit. She knows it. Knows it front and back, sideways. She knows it, bruh. But to pick up my um previous idea, I didn't, I didn't finish it about listening to all the episodes uh, with guests on it. I heard spots where I was like, man, I should have I should have taken what she said and and built off of that. And I don't know if that was because of the Pinot um, that I was drinking or if it was just I was it was late and my mom wasn't working as quick. Um, but normally I try to be really good about um, taking uh, as interview progresses, using things that the that I'm the person who I'm interviewing, using things they're saying and then asking questions or leading conversation towards that topic. And there's a lot of four or five times I could have done that really well and like I'm sitting there getting ready in the mornings um listening to podcast and I'm like man I should have said this man I should have said this but I'm glad you enjoyed it Mike Lamb and then I got some feedback from Mr. Greenlee himself let me uh read this back to you here he said so I took notes during this episode mama I made it <laughs> when when I got I got people taking notes on my episode that's just dope that's just dope to me thoroughly enjoyed the show and Nikki is is delightful and I, I told her that tonight Mike or um E that you thought she was delightful um and Mike I told her that you um that she was a great guest is that what you said yeah great guest great guest I told her that too um but this one this is what E had to say he said so here we go correction Harambe isn't a gorilla. He's a dead gorilla. I almost said that. <laughs> There's no way to overstate how powerful the Lion King was when we were talking about the commercial. I mean, the cartoon. Gladiator wasn't awful apart from people from Rome or that general vicinity having British accents. Still haven't seen Gladiator. I think these might be... Um, this this is what he said Avatar was like. He said, Fern Gully plus Dances with Wolves plus The Matrix equals Avatar. And I've seen most of all those movies that's not called The Matrix, so I get what he's saying. Way too much Queen's Sugar is decent. Way too much Queen's Sugar is decent. I can tell what's about to happen every second of the show. Reagan Gomez does, however, partake in some hot girl on girls, so there's that. I'm going to watch Queen's Sugar before you said that, but I'm really going to watch Queen's Sugar now. <laughs> I still haven't watched Lemonade, and I don't intend to unless it's just on TV. I'm I'm going to break down and put it on my iPod. I, I don't know when I'm going to actually watch it on TV. Because um, whenever I'm not, whenever I'm watching TV, it's normally Netflix right now. And it's not on Netflix. Last time I was in New York, I discovered I hated it. It was hot and people were all the way in my personal space. 
Only enjoy watching Avenue Q. Fair enough. So there's one take from on New York that is not positive. So take that, New York. And then last thing he said is, next time I'm on the show, we should do a lightning round on Disney films, which is phenomenal. I've mentioned this before. My E, I keep saying Mike. Mike, you're on the brain. Um, thanks. It's all those tweets. E does this thing called a lightning round. He hasn't done one in a while that I'm aware of because he just had a newborn baby. And, well, Nicole just had a newborn baby, and he's the daddy. He's that baby's pappy. Um, and literally he will just take these random topics and then go in on them for a couple paragraphs and then switch to the next random thing. He said we didn't do a lightning round on Disney films. It needs to happen because I have Disney thoughts, brother. <laughs> Disney thoughts, son. I watch too much Disney not to do this now. Or Scrubs versus Community, which would be epic because Community is so slept on and so underrated and so funny and so much things you miss if you don't pay attention when you're watching Community. It's not your average sitcom. It's really phenomenal. It's a shame that NBC dumped it and it went to Yahoo and, of course, the whole firing of uh, Dan Harmon and all that stuff because if they had just left it alone, like, that's the thing that Scrubs did get. Because even though Scrubs did get canceled by NBC after season seven, ABC was able to pick it up because they were the studio that produced it and put out season eight, which was phenomenal. They did their final episodes. And then ABC's like, hey, you did really well. Let's go ahead and I'll renew you, except we're not going to renew you at Scrubs Med School, which is the title card. We're going to renew you at Scrubs. And everybody's mad. And everybody, to this day, if you go on the Scrubs subreddit on um, Reddit, will get super pissy about season nine of Scrubs. Season nine of Scrubs is not bad. It's just not your main characters. Let it go. Let it go. I just brought it back to Disney on your ass. Um, so yeah, I want to get that feedback and I meant to do that earlier. So sorry for breaking up the episode oddly, but it is the world's greatest podcast. And this is a living, breathing thing at all times. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your hands and feet and arms and legs and toes inside the vehicle. I was listening to Reasonable Doubt. Next topic. Because November, I really made an effort to listen to music more versus always listening to podcasts. Because I'm such a podcast heavy dude when it comes to iPod. And I made an effort to listen to more music just because I hadn't been listening to more music. And I've listened to some phenomenal music. I've given you lots of recommendations. I have some recommendations for you here later of new of music you should check out. And I went, I was like, yeah, honey, because I, I would, what I would do is listen to something I hadn't listened to before, whether that be Old Prince or um, a new album that I just threw in there that I wanted to check out. Or, and then I go back to something that was old, reliable on the iPod. So I threw on Reasonable. Because so I was like, I want to hear Can I Live. So I play Can I Live. And then I was like, okay, I want to listen to all the Reasonable Doubt. It's been 20 years since Reasonable Doubt came out. From start to finish, Reasonable Doubt is still Jay-Z's masterpiece. You can put Blueprint up. You can put Black Album up, whatever else that you feel is really good that Jay did. And I will point out their flaws immediately. 
Black Album, Change Clothes, Not Everybody Was Feeling Justify My Thug. I love Justify My Thug, but a lot of people don't like Justify My Thug. And then when you go to the Blueprint, Jigga That Nigga, there's there's no justifying that. Jigga, Jigga, That Nigga, Jigga. Like, he, like, seriously, it's not a good record. I don't know why or who told Jay-Z at that time, put this record on the blueprint. And at that, push it out for single spins. Blows my mind. Like, why couldn't we get Girls, Girls, Girls remix instead of Jigga That Nigga? Or breathe, or um, lyrical exercise, breathe easy, whatever the hell it's called. Lyrical exercise, I think, is what it's actually called. Breathe easy. Reasonable is so good, and I was just listening to, um, Beanie Siegel on Tax Season, and I I tweeted it out and I put it on the Facebook, which is facebook.com slash. Resilient or facebook.com slash resilient redundancies. It's called the resilient redundancies of Kellen Conley. Siegel said the tax, he's like the thing a lot a lot of a lot of dudes weren't didn't understand where Jay was coming from. Cause the stuff that Jay was talking about, everybody that knew what Jay was talking about got indicted and was on their way to jail around that time. So the stuff Jay was talking about in ninety six, nobody knew he was talking about. And so that's why I got so slept on. Which is a crazy idea. But seriously. Reasonable. And when I listen to Reasonable Doubt, I don't listen to the 98 reissue with Can I Live 2 on it. No, 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 no. Mine is the exact way that was it was given to me by Scott Fury, DJ Wise, and Kaiser, who now has child number three on the way. Shout out to him and his wonderful wife, Kim. I listened to the the version with the intro as track one, Can Knock the Hustle is two, and then so on and so forth. Album ends with regrets. But, but Can Knock the Hustle, Politics as Usual, Brooklyn's Finest, Dead Presidents 2, Feeling It, The Evils, 22 Twos, Can I Live, Ain't No Nigga. And a lot of people want to say, oh, I ain't no nigga. Like, how you going to say that you like Jigga That Nigga, you don't like Jigga That Nigga, or, or Justify My Thug, or Change Clothes. And I really like Change Clothes, too. Blackout might be the closest thing too reasonable for me. What's That's almost flawless. How you don't like those records, but you going to let Ain't No Nigga go? Because Ain't No Nigga is a classic record. It was Inga's first time on Wax, son. Inga being Foxy Brown. It was and captures the spirit of the of the time period so well. It, it means so much. You hear that and like, oh, I'm so sick of that song. I don't like that song. It's so played out. Yeah, it was played out 20 years ago when it was getting bumped everywhere. That record still knocks to this day. Friend or foe? Friend or foe, yo, state your biz. Eh, you sit and don't. All right, there it is. Me, I run the show. And these kids don't like nobody coming around here fucking up they dope and shit. They enterprising, though, and I like it. I fuck with the big dogs, yo. I gotta bite you. 
Look, it's out of my hands. And you getting money around here is not in the plans. Hop your ass back in that van, go back to Kansas, and send niggas back up in campuses. Chances slimmer than that chicken Calvin Klein pants. And yeah, I'll probably mess it up. But still, that's pretty good recollection. Coming of age, bleak. First time bleak was on wax. And I stand so hard for Memphis bleak. Memphis bleak, if you hear this, come do the hyphenation podcast. Come be on the greatest podcast in the world, bruh. I'm going to start reaching out. Like, let's get on the Skype, man. I know you all about that douce, and I, I'm not able to come to New York, but I know if we could have some talks about some records, I want to talk about the Made album because the Made album is a classic. One of the top 10 Rockefeller albums ever made. Yeah, I said it. Cashmere thoughts. A lot of people don't like Cashmere either, but come on. Fuck if your leg broke, bitch. Hop up on your good foot. C- come on. Come on. That's hilarious. Bring it on. Fat Joe sample. Primo on the track. Sauce and Jazzo. Are you serious? And then regrets. Jay will never make another regrets. He will never make a you must, nothing, you must love me. Reasonable is flawless. Flawless. And it gets slept on so hard. So really, this topic is just me standing really hard for reasonable. Every time I listen to Reasonable Doubt, I remember why I love rap. Why I rap. Why I made songs like Better With Bacon. Better With Bacon was my version of Can I Live. It was my best attempt. recommendation go listen to reasonable doubt again i know it's christmas but go ahead it's almost gonna be 21 years soon go ahead and knock that thing out for it's 2016's over mercifully over so where's our time card at we almost at an hour i spent a lot of time talking about comic books i still got three more topics Say your boy, like I said earlier, I listen to a lot of VAQ, WVAQ, and that's on 101.9 on FM dial here in Morgantown. It's the pop station, the top 40, the, um, it's, it's that station. And they have different personalities throughout the day. I'm not a big fan of any of them. Shout out to my boy, Alex Vick, who just left VAQ to go to a, a new radio station in PA. Um, he came up through United Two. Shout out to Jason Knight, a fellow uh, wrestling guy. Um, he's also a cool dude. Um, so no offense to him either. But I'm listening. I'm just listening to radio because that's all we do when we're at work. Is the radio is always in the background. And I was like, man, I really miss Katie Richter. Now, Katie Richter. Um, she came out of nowhere a few years ago for me, and she popped up on the afternoon. Um, afternoon slot on the radio. Uh, and then she's like, I saw she had tweeted something or definitely tweeted something like, Oh, I'm DJing this later. And I was like, you really DJing? Or are you just playing some playing a playlist or something? She's like, no, I got tables and everything. I was like, Oh shit. Katie really knows her stuff, which is dope. Cause I don't know very many female DJs like that. So thusly, uh, friendship was born. She also was at United Two for a spell, and then 
we got to know each other just from that acquaintance. She knew I did music in Morgantown, and she, of course, was on VAQ. She actually came and hosted the second birthday bash for me, and I was late. So she actually got there before me and Angel and the rest of the crew got there for the birthday bash. The birthday bash is like party and story with bucks every year for my birthday so I could perform. She actually <laughs> showed up early and introduced me for like, started the show and then that was kind of it. And she was in this dive bar, so to speak with her then husband. And she's, she's just cool as shit. She's cool. I've been, I was at her crib a few times, um, chilling and everything. And she eventually decided she wanted to get out of radio. And now she is a mortgage lending specialist, so to speak, uh, with uh, Sierra Pacific. And she just got a job back in PA. Anyway, she used to do the 10 o'clock, the two o'clock, or maybe 3 o'clock, I think it was 2 o'clock on VAQ. At noon, she would do the um, request, and she would take your actual request. It didn't matter. She would find it and play it. And I was just thinking on Twitter, I was like, I want to shout out Katie. I ain't said nothing to her in a minute, because we have a dialogue every now and then. But, I mean, we ain't we ain't close, close to nothing like that, but shit. I know I could reach out to her and get a response about anything I need. So I'm like, you know what? I miss uh, Katie Rector doing afternoons on at WVAQ. Um, I know that will probably never happen again. And then she said, with me moving, um, you're absolutely right. So, th- I mean, I knew that she had moved recently. I didn't realize how far away she was of an, um, actually going to be. I keep thinking about this, whether I should even say this. But I'm the world's greatest podcast. I don't care. So, all of a sudden, the new host of the afternoons, her name is Jamie Ames. She goes by Just Jamie on radio. Decides to hop up in your boys' mentions. Because I added VAQ. And say, oh, well, Casey Kasem was really good, too. I miss him. And I'm paraphrasing. And then something else about Rick D's and thanks for listening. So immediately I go and grow. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready ready to get it. Ready to go. That's how I. That's how you. I, I've been on Twitter for eight years, bruh. So when things happen, my media response is get them, kill them, kill them. But I've been on this other shit, and it's probably my most profanity laced episode ever, because I try to be really good on, good on Nikki's episode. We only had two curse words that I counted. She said shit, and I said. Um, I don't remember what I said. Mm-hmm. This beer's heading spot. And I've been trying to slowly go through, because Tom Hop will show me these tweets that I said five, six years ago or less, where I've said some crazy shit. I'm like, man, that's fucked up. That shit was cool then. But if it, for some reason someone did encounter that now, like, oh well, why did Kellen, why did Kellen B hyphen say this back in 2012 about some rude, rude thought I had that I thought was funny? So I've been trying to clean it up. So I, I held up. It's like, wait, so what are we gonna do? So I quoted her back on the Casey case, and I hit her with, a, I was like, me too. And he was also dope as Shaggy, because, of course, Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy on the Scooby-Doo cartoon. 
the Rick D's tweet, I said, eh, Rick D's never really did anything for me. I respect what he did, but it's just not my kind of thing. And then I said, keep up the good work, Jamie, something like that. And apparently the the problem was there was other people who saw my tweet at VAQ and other disgruntled listeners who decided they wanted to chime in too. And I don't know whether the tweets are deleted because I really don't see them now, but I'm guessing there's people that was getting at Jamie about her show and her being on VAQ and not being Katie and VAQ being different because morning show is different. The only thing that's there now, now that Lacey's passed and Katie's gone and Alex Vick just left and the morning show's um, gone now, um, the only thing on there is the Jack Logan show, or the, that's even people will know, is Jason Knight. And he's in the afternoons now. He used to do the the um, he used to do the um evening evening show because that's how what it looked like got on a uh, VAQ that one night years ago. I entered in a contest. He said he'd play it, and then I beat the other song that got played. It was awesome. People were complaining to her. And I, I noticed that she's uh, also, aside from just a radio personality, apparently says something about her being a stand-up comedian, too. So, homegirl thinks she's funny, apparently. There's her Insta. But yeah, she's at Jamie Ames, A-M-E-S Radio, and it's Jimey, J-A-I-M-E. If you do want to check her out. I could have swore I saw um something about her being some kind of stand-up comedian recently on here. I don't know. But let me give you an example of her tweet, a tweet she said here that apparently she think is funny. One snowflake and all the people in Morgantown lose their minds. Is school closed? Can I drive? Get it together, people. It's not even sticking. So, I mean, Morgantown people do drive terribly, but it's, it's not that funny. And then, let's see. Did she delete the tweets? She deleted the tweets. That's funny. <laughs> but Jamie, I thought we were beefing, girl. I was telling Lane about this at work. And I was like, yo, if she hops up in on, on the radio and decides to say something crazy about somebody making fun of her. Oh, there you are. Because she added me. So, yeah, they're, they're still there. Oh, I, I, I don't know what the issue was. Apparently she felt some kind of way. It's cool. You feel however you need to film, Miss Jamie. Because you're just dealing with uh, the world's greatest podcast hosted by Kellen Conley, amongst my other many, many things that I do. But I was good is the main point. I could have I went for the head, but I played it cool, and we ended up, doing a little brush your shoulders off gif and that was the end of it she hit me with the Adele and I hit her with some black dude in a fur coat mine was better I win next topic in one of the groups that E and Mike Lamb and 
couple of my other friends are a part of. They had, they had one of those things where it's like, all right, you got to get rid of one. Here are your choices. Man of Steel, Spider-Man 1, Cap 1, uh, or uh, Captain America First Avengers, Batman Begins, and Iron Man 1. And Iron Man 1 being 08 Iron Man and Cap- Spider-Man 1 being the Raimi Spider-Man film from 2002. So naturally, I voted out Man of Steel immediately. I have seen most of Man of Steel. I have not seen the very end where he, spoilers, kills Zod and um, saves the planet from whatever that thing was destroying it. I really did like Man of Steel, though. I won't get it twisted. It's a good film. And... That's something that Russell Crowe actually killed it in, and he was only in the first part. Henry Cavill isn't my favorite Superman. I actually am one of the few who enjoyed the Brandon Roth, Brandon Ruth, Superman Returns, and hoped that he would get a sequel. I thought he nailed uh, Superman more than Cavill does, even if he was trying to copy Christopher Reeve. And there's nothing wrong with Man of Steel, though. It gets a little crazy. You can cry about, oh, he killed Zod and Spider-Man. Superman doesn't doesn't kill. Like, what else was he going to do? Put him in the negative zone again? And after everybody complained about, oh, well, uh, Brian Singer just made a continuation of the original Superman films. Um, We don't want to see that. And you, you want him to not kill Zod and put him in the negative zone or something right after that? Like, seriously? But I voted out Man of Steel. And Man of Steel ended up getting the most votes that day, so Man of Steel goes. So next, that leaves Spider-Man, Cap, Batman Begins, and Iron Man. So I vote for Batman Begins. Let me tell you why. Batman Begins is, again, a really, really good film. It's a solid Batman film. I'd say it's in my top five Batman films. Best being Dark Knight. Second best would probably be, I'm going to go ahead and say it, Batman Forever. And then you have probably got the original, got Batman 89 in there somewhere, and then Batman Begins. Yeah, I'm also a Batman Forever fan. Val Kilmer did a hell of a job. And then everybody starts voting Spider-Man Cap, Spider-Man Cap, Spider-Man Cap. So I'm like, I'm changing my vote. Y'all ain't going to vote out my dude. Y'all crazy. And I was just talking to Marcus about this on Twitter today. He's like, I'll, and he's like, I don't really remember the fir- um, first. I thought the first Spider-Man film, Raimi film was cool. And don't remember the second one. And the third one was trash, which it was. But it had its moments. The thing that kills me about the Raimi films when it comes to Spidey. Because there has already been a reboot and because The Amazing Spider-Man was awful, that film was really bad. Garfield made for a great Spider-Man as far as the wisecracking goes. Hated Cool Peter. Um, Emma Stone was great as Gwen. That was cool. Weak villain in the first one. And um, your boy who's on Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll and FX... Um, Dennis Leary 
uh, did well as Captain Stacy. So I like parts of it, but it wasn't a whole picture. And in a second, we we're like, all right, we're going to put on the right costume. We're going to nail the Spider-Man parts. We're going to nail the death of Gwen Stacy. Spoilers. If you have never read Amazing Spider-Man 121, idiots. Um, <laughs> I just called y'all idiots. Not necessarily. Apologies for that. I'm, I'm just flying off the cuff right now. But we're going to give you a lame-ass villain in Electro. And we're going to give you the Green Goblin and make him super lame. And throw him in in the last act. And have him become the Green Goblin for a whack-ass reason. All while cool Spider-Man. There was more, less cool Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. But there was still a lot of cool Peter Parker. Where instead of him being nerdy Peter Parker that they showed in the Raimi film. And that we seen the beginning in... Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which the trailer was super dope on that, that I just saw last night, or this morning, or um, even uh, we saw in Civil War, we saw Geeky Spider-Man, he's like, he didn't, he seemed like, um, I'm lonely skateboarder Spider-Man, but I'm Peter Parker, but I'm totally, totally cool too, chicks dig this. <laughs> that was my beef with Amazing Spider-Man. I thought the Raimi films... First time I watched 2002 Spider-Man Theater, dude, like, it was perfect. Sure, did the goblin costume suck? Yeah. But they got a lot right. Kristen Dunst was awesome. Mary Jane. Um, dude who played Norman Osborn, I can see his face. He was awesome. I mean, aside from Lane costume, the Green Goblin was dope, and James Franco was dope as Harry, Harry Osborn, and um, Aunt Rosemary, Rosemary was dope as Aunt May, and... Rosemary Harris, maybe. There were so many things that went right, and then Spider-Man 2 was even better because you had Dr. Octopus, and he was tearing shit up, and he couldn't be beat until he decided, oh, I'm not really a bad person. Let me just murk myself for you, Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man 2 was the best Raimi film, and Spider-Man 3 got away from him because they wanted Venom. He forced him in there. It didn't quite work, and I feel like Eddie Brock was miscast when they got Topher to be Eddie Brock. Do not agree with that at all. Still. Captain America 1 was also a perfect film. I watched that in the theaters and I felt such pride that Captain America was finally done right on the screen and all this history was being laid out leading up to Avengers. So much cool things was happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it was so early on still then. So, while it's important though, I feel like Civil War and Winter Soldier are way better films than First Avenger. That out of those four that was left, Cap had to be an expendable one. But nobody wants to give credit for that first Raimi film anymore. Here's another recommendation for you guys. Go back and watch the 2002 Spider-Man film, please. Dang. Quit sleeping on my dude. Spider-Man lost. So it was Cap, Batman, and Iron Man. Again, I voted out Batman. Because I still think Captain America and Iron Man are better films. 
They voted out Cap. Mind you, here's a little tidbit about Nikki that I didn't bring up. Nikki has not ever successfully stayed awake for a Captain America film. I think she's tried several times on uh, First Avenger and a few times on Winter Soldier. Has never done it. Has never done it. I'm sorry I'm yawning. It's 1.33 in the morning right now. Everybody's asleep except for me. I've been up since 6 o'clock, 6.30 this morning. Dedication, hard work, follow it. Get rid of Cap. So it's Batman and Iron Man. I don't know how it turned out, but I, I have a feeling that Batman won. Iron Man should have been a clear victor. Iron Man had the best acting. Nobody on this list, as good as Bale was as Batman, embodied their character the way that Robert Downey Jr. did with Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. ceased to exist the moment Iron Man came out. There's only Tony Stark. You look at him and he'll be normal clothes with his wife, promoting a different film, but that's Tony Stark. I don't care. That's Tony Stark. Damn it. It's Tony Stark. Say what you want. It's Tony Stark. Tony. You look at Christian Bale and I don't see Batman all the time. I see Christian Bale. You look at Chris Evans and yes, I see Cap a lot. But most time he has his beard and stuff like that. And it, it doesn't look like him. And Cap, he looks like Chris Evans, the actor. Tobey Maguire, of course, is old and whatever you want to call him. That's not nice, but it is what it is. And he's distanced himself from the Raimi films so much that it doesn't even matter. Cavill is still playing Superman, and he still hasn't had his definitive Superman performance yet. We'll see what happens in Man of Steel 2. But Tony is... Iron Man is just as much about the transformation of Tony Stark as a person as it is about Tony Stark becoming Iron Man. And other casting was perfect. You had dope villain Jeff Bridges being um, Iron um, Ironmonger, Obadiah Stane. You had Pepper Potts. While I didn't necessarily agree with him going the love route with her and Tony, obviously it didn't work out. So for the arc of the movies, I thought that was cool. Look at Gwyneth Paltrow. You did have Terrence Howard playing Rhodey in this one. Obviously, Cheetah was a much better Rhodey. And um, Howard was better suited to play Lucius Lyon, obviously. So that worked out for them both in the long run. But Howard still turned in a dope performance. There's just so much about Iron Man that's just perfect. Start to finish. So yeah, while Batman Begins set up the, the, the perfect... Batman universe that we like to put our Batman inside the existed until we get a full Batfleck movie. 
Dark Knight is the real jewel of of that series. Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Batman Begins is cool. But it's not even on the same playing field as those two. So for you to like not to even take that and put it on a level of First Avenger or um, Spider-Man 1 or Iron Man is crazy. Research your history. That's just my opinion. And that's how we do it in 1993. And I know it's not 1993. Last topic. I was out with E last week. We went to one, two, three after hanging out watching the Cavs Bulls game. He wanted to shoot some video of our friend Pig down there. Shot the video of Pig, and he's like, "Yo, you got time to get some food?" I told him I was broke. He's like, "Yo, no, no worry about it. I got you." So went to this place called Lots of Matza. Lots of Matza does personal pan pizzas and it allows you to make it however the hell you want to, which is awesome for for a nominal fee. When you get to a certain amount of toppings, they're like, okay, well, each topping after this is so much, and that's where they really get you. But they give you a lot of toppings straight up. So this, let me just tell you this pizza I got. They have this egg wash. It's called, they had, it was just called scrambled eggs, but it, it's this egg wash that they put on the crust. And I was like, Ugh, what's that, scrambled eggs? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Give me some scrambled eggs. Mind you, I was a little a little buzzed. Give me that Alfredo sauce on the pizza. I don't want no red sauce because they have a traditional red sauce and a spicy sauce. I was like, I don't want red sauce. Give me, give me the Alfredo sauce. Give me the fresh mozzarella. Give me the bacon. Give me the pepperoni. The onions. The green pepper. The fresh garlic. Yeah. They threw that shit in the uh, the, um, wood fire oven for about seven, eight minutes or so. Came out. I was like, put the buffalo sauce drizzle in there too. Brought it to the table and got a little Parmesan cheese. Hit that thing with it. Fresh hot pizza. The Better With Bacon Pizza was born. This pizza was delicious from start to finish. And it may be the best pizza I've ever had in my life. It was so good, in fact, that I convinced Angel to order lots of matzo on Saturday after that. And I tried to recreate it over the phone. It didn't quite live up to it because they didn't listen to me. They didn't get everything right. And it wasn't hot when I, by the time I, they got here. It was, it was warm. But it wasn't the same as it was when it was hot. So that's the better with bacon pizza. I may attempt to actually create this pizza on my own here at home. We'll see. So if you're if you have a lots of matzah or if you're feeling froggy <laughs> and you want to try some a crazy pizza combo, there you go. Better with bacon pizza. Recommendations. I've been nursing this one beer this whole time. Where's my topics, yo? Got everything all weird. Here we go. There goes my baby. So, I watched Zootopia. 
um, latest flick from uh, Walt Disney Pictures. It was the, I don't think it was out in the summer, but it, it was out maybe in the past year. Maybe it came out in 2016. Uh, it's about a little rabbit that uh, wants to go to Zootopia, which is the big city in her world, and be a police officer in her quest to do so, and the misadventures that happens after that. My sister-in-law, Holly, and my uh, friend, Matt, got heavy, oh, Nikki, got heavy political messages out of this movie. And while I could see them, I don't think they're as heavy-handed as they may have thought. But honestly, it's just a fun little fun little cartoon adventure. It's not just your little cutesy, cutesy wootsy um princess story and um yada yada yada. It's a straight up mystery. Suspense thriller. Just featuring cartoon animals. That's really good. I recommend it. It's on Netflix now. So please watch Zootopia. In case I haven't mentioned it before, they're showing all the Simpsons episodes on FXX. Right now, as I speak, they're airing an episode. Right now, as you listen to this, probably they're an episode because I don't know how close they are to uh, 600. I think they're airing all the episodes um, prior to this season's. Um, if you need to watch it. Just watch some Simpsons. The Simpsons is a standard bearer of excellence. It was here before Family Guy. It's still here after Family Guy lost its relevance, at least with me. It's consistently been just hilarious. It's hilarious. It's timely. It's it, it's great social commentary. Matt Groening and co. always do great work, and all the voice actors are wonderful. If you've never watched an episode of Simpsons for some reason, if you're fresh off the farm, and, and, you're, and your daddy always told you never to watch those Simpsons, but you are a grown, grown-ass man now, and uh, you feel like you want to uh, explore the world a little bit, you're going to get a little risky and watch a little TV you were never supposed to. You go ahead and turn your, your uh, TV down to that FXX, and you watch yourself some Simpsons. Please do that for me. Thank you. Three music recommendations. I listen to Usher's new album, Hard to Love. It's his best album since Confessions. Didn't really like to join after Confessions. The Here I Stand. It was okay. Didn't mess with any of the EDM Usher, the Pop Usher, Techno Usher. Nah, not, that's not my vibe. I saw in interviews the past few years that he was going back to an R&B feel. He was really going to be gunning back for that. He wasn't going to be doing looking for radio singles and stuff. And he nailed it. It's, it's his best album since Confessions. Please take the time to listen to this album. Because it's, it's highly slept on. I haven't heard anybody talk about it since it came out. The Usher album is dope. Go listen to the Usher album. Another album I was pleasantly surprised with. JoJo. That same little girl that sang... Um, oh, why am I drawing blanks now? I am so good at podcasting, y'all. Hold on. JoJo. 
music. She sang such songs as Too Little Too Late, Baby It's You, Leave, that's the joint. Leave is the one joint that uh was really big um, that she hit number one with when she was a kid. She has released her third album after years of album, album, label drama, and it's called Mad Love. And it's might be the best R&B record that's been put out all year, even before Rihanna's. And it might be up there, if you want to classify them as that, with the Beyonce and Solange's of the world, who I still haven't listened to, but I've heard good things. Her album is just fire. I kid you not. Start to finish. And I really started paying attention to her when um she had dropped um the Marvin's Room remix. I was like, yo, she's killing that joint. Her version was actually the preferred version over Drake's there for a while. And y'all know how I used to feel about Aubrey. <sighs> but seriously, if you're looking for, like, man, I don't really know what to listen to, and I don't really want to listen to Usher. If you're looking for a solid album top to front, and you want to hear some good-ass female vocals on an R&B record, get yourself some mad love. Get it. Snap into some mad love. I'm tired. <laughs> Last album recommendation, Chris Calico of the Strange Music Clan. Chris is normally known as a rapper slash singer. Well, for some reason, a few months ago, I saw a little trailer for his new album, Go, and he was singing, and not just singing some hooks. He was singing his ass out, singing his ass out, singing his ass off. And he's talking about, yeah, I'm really taking a chance. I'm going to really... uh. I really want to push the envelope and I really want to go in this direction. I was like, yo, it sounded like Chris about to do a pop album. It sounded like Chris going to do a pop album. So when Go came out, I finally copped it. I listened to it. Starts off really strong and it ends really strong. In the middle, he does a little, I am on strange music. So here's a posse cut and here's some songs of some rappers you don't care about. And here's my tech nine song. The tech song is excellent. The tech nine, tech nine song is no problem at all. The posse cut and the song with the other guy that's on there or the other group. I don't remember or forgettable, but I uh, shared the video for his first single off the album with, uh, with uh, the, my league group on Facebook chat and they, some of them already heard it, and a lot of them were really impressed by it. He was really impressed by it. He he took it there when when he he actually stepped out of his comfort zone and just did a pop record, pop soul record, and he made some flamers. Chris Calico, go, go get yourself some Chris, some Cali. Last thing I want to recommend here, I watched a film on Netflix called Irisin, which is about. Pretty much about everything about Allen Iverson growing up and then making it to the NBA. And he was also one. He was a part of it. Um, there's this film about his life and um, pretty much everything. His whole career and all his ups and downs with the practice stuff and him being the only team to beat the Lakers in 2001 in the playoffs. And 
the Jordan crossover and the fight they got him arrested in high school, um, the bowling alley brawl, and then his struggles later in his career, and just him talk, just him kind of opening up and sharing, sharing a little bit of what his life was like and his perspective on things. It's, it's really good and it's a quick watch. If you're in, if you have any respect for the NBA, you definitely respect Allen Iverson. Then check out Iverson. It's it's a very good watch. I don't know if I mentioned this before. I probably did, but I watched Kobe Bryant's Muse uh, documentary on Showtime a few months ago too, and it's really good. And that was about his struggle to come back from his knee injury, um, and then subsequent uh, he snapped. He's, that's when his Achilles popped, and so all of that is in the film. And we get a lot of behind the scenes stuff with Kobe telling us stories about growing up and, um, and then getting to the NBA and dealing with what the rape, the allegations and the trial and rape trial and everything in 2004. Um, and then of course, uh, this in a little bit of Shaq stuff and what it was like to win and just his whole career. It was done two seasons before he retired. And I, if I didn't mention four, please check that out as well. Again, if you're a lover of the game of basketball, like I am Muse and Iverson definitely must see TV. And that's it. I mean, I guess it's the part where I say, if you want to find Hyphenation, the world's greatest podcast, you can find it exclusively on behyphen.com. All the episodes are right there. Pretty much the only thing I've been posting lately is Hyphenation episodes. You can't miss it. If you want to go to the iTunes, search Hyphenation. We're right there too. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the newest episodes when they're released. Also, share that link as much as possible. Tell people about the show. I appreciate Mike Lamb and E and um Eric and um Marcus and Cam Wilson and uh little E um and all of y'all checking out the show and Anthony and making sure that uh, people know about the show and are listening and then coming back to me and telling me as you checked out the show, I really appreciate each and every one of you. Just keep spreading the word. And as Mike Lamb said earlier, things will just grow organically, slowly but surely. Um, If for some reason you really want to go vote for best, I don't even know if you can vote for best podcast and best of Morgantown. Hey, Morgantown Magazine, if you have a best podcast category, Hyphenation needs to win that. Thank you very much. What else? You can find Hyphenation on Google Play. You can find Hyphenation on YouTube at youtube.com slash behyphen. Have all the Hyphenation episodes on there. Um, you can go to behyphen.com and scroll to the bottom under Hyphenation. You'll see the feed burner link, and you can put that into your favorite podcast listening device to be able to get all the episodes that way. Also on the TuneIn app, and also on... Pocket Cast, and several other things. Or you could just go to Google and type in Hyphenation Podcast and you'll find it that way. Hyphenation is forever. <laughs> Try to be everywhere at once, everywhere you want to be. Um, I really always feel like I'm leaving something out, so I'm going to take the time to look at that and be like, oh yeah, make sure that you check out the site over here because I forgot about it. Cause I'm a great podcaster. Um, 
That's that's self-deprecating humor, boy. In case you're wondering, like, why is he always so mean to himself? It's called a joke, son. It's called a joke. Uh, yeah. Oh, you can find Hyphenation on Stitcher. Type in Hyphenation on Stitcher. All the episodes will come to you there. Make it your favorite podcast. You can do that as well. And we're on Overcast, too. So Hyphenation is slowly taking over this great, great nation. At least I'm trying. <sighs> Let's see. If you want to get a hold of me, b-hyphen-b-h-y-p-h-e-n at gmail.com. On Twitter, at b-hyphen. On Facebook, facebook.com slash resilient redundancies. That's the Facebook page. If you go to behyphen.com, I have links to my other social media stuff if you wanted to try to hit me up on there. But those are the main ones. So listen, y'all. Mark Marcus sent me a list of questions. He's like, he's like, I got that fire for you right here. Send me a list of questions. So here's what we're going to do. This is episode 26. I'm shooting for episode 30 to make it the big Q&A episode. So seriously, get your list ready. Get your questions ready. Tell your friends to make questions. And get them to me before episode 30. Because let's see. If all goes according to plan, I want to try to get get to 30 before 20, 40 years out. So let's see. It is Saturday the 10th. This episode will probably be out this weekend. So probably on the 11th. Um, I'd like to try to record 27 sometime this coming week. I already have topics. I might do that on Thursday. I'd like to do two. If I can do 27 and 28 this week, if I really uh, knuckle down and sleep, I could do that. And then come back with 29 sometime before Christmas. I could be doing 30 sometime during my vacation at the end of the month. Let's get those questions to b-hyphen.com. Um, b-hyphen.com. To, I want to put them in the comments. b-hyphen at gmail.com. Let me know. I want to do this question and answer episode, guys. It doesn't matter how crazy it is, how off the ball. Um, I, I just want to sit down and really, um, I want to get y'all feedback. Like, like, why did you sit in your car at Kroger parking lot for all those months? That's because I didn't have a studio until we moved into the house. But seriously, I will go. I'll tell you again. I do not mind. Let's shoot for episode thirty. So I'm gonna hold on my end of the bargain and try to knock out uh, two episodes next week. Do one more the week before Christmas, and then we'll be looking at episode 30 before the new year. So get your questions in, please. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) Ain't no more to it. Biggie baby. Thank you guys for listening to the World's Greatest Podcast. It's always been real. Always a great time. 26 in the can, in the books, in history. Beer in hand, still drinking a warm beer. It's 1.56 in the morning. My child will be up in probably about five hours. Oh, shit. No, no. Yeah, it's about seven o'clock. Yeah. I'm debating if I want to go upstairs and try to crack this other beer and go to sleep. Probably not. Let's probably put it in the fridge. Mm. Good day to be alive, y'all. Sorry I'm I'm being all reflective while the mic's still rolling, but 
It is what it is. Thank you so much for listening, each and every one of y'all. I appreciate you all. Keep spreading the word. Keep spreading the positivity. Love one another. Let's fight all this evil in this world with love. It's all it takes. It's what I'm trying to do every day. It's hard sometimes, but I still try to put that out there. Try to hold up my end of the bargain. So, without further ado, until we meet on 27. Thanks, y'all.